spidey senses tingling. Paper Keg Podcast 45. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him as Ensign Tuvok on Star Trek Voyager. This is Slim Russ. Coming to you live from Pennsylvania. I don't get that one at all. Trekkers will love me for that. Were you Googling names while you were pooping just now? I was. Okay. I was. Welcome to the Paper Gig Podcast where we talk about industry news, um, the books we're reading, a book club this week, The Death of Superman. Oh, man. Something died. That's for sure. What the heck are we doing? Our innocence. What were we thinking? And then we read your letters live to close out the show. Um, we are the biggest podcast in the history of Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. Absolutely. Without a doubt. And when the police question you, that's all they'll know you for. Let's go around the room. You know, you're checking out the podcast for the first time. You want to know why you should be listening. You know, if I was listening, I probably would have shut it off. After that obscure Star Trek reference, and I don't blame you right now. I just don't blame you. What are you talking people off a ledge here? It was a Star Trek reference. Don't leave yet. <laughs> they probably hightailed it out of here and went over to the uh, whatever other comics podcast. West Coast style. Uh, that deep, dark, sultry voice. He's going out on a high note. Hopefully, his last show. Uh, he's been described as the DC historian, former Esquire. He is your local Batman genealogist. Uh, he is one more show. a published writer in Rations Magazine. You can get that PDF at any of your local internet browsers. He is leaving for greener pastures. He's not stopping us. He's not stopping you while you're saying this. Mark Farrington, it's been him. your honor being on this show with me. This is going to be the most pleasant firing I ever get. Thank you for having me for 44 some odd episodes. I know I took a couple off. You did. I'm you sorry even... that I'm getting the boot. There was a, I don't want to go. There was a decided lack of commitment. During our tenure together, Ouch. Uh, that I felt in my heart. Listen, can I just be clear? This is so meta. I'm not even sure whether Mark is leaving or not anymore. <laughs> Mark, uh, he's got big plans ahead, so we wish him luck. I'm not doing Jonesy anything. Jonesy loves beer. He is writing his own comic book. Correct. You know, this is a host that you've never met, but he is writing a comic book. Trust him. He makes sure your packages <laughs> get delivered on time. With my mustache. With his seven hair mustache that he's growing right now. D- did you count? Because it's like I can count. It might from just here. be six. Um, <laughs> I'm not Steve sure if you realize Arc. he considers himself the creator of one of the newest segments on the show that you may have not listened to. I just want to let everyone know, Jonesy made that segment possible. Right. What, what segment? What are we talking Welcome about? to the show. Jonesy loves himself. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty uh pretty good there, Slim. Uh we this is the longest interest ever. We're out of music. That Maybe we should just skip before. you. 
Thank you. That's um, always me. Jonesy on his left is uh, a person dear to my heart. Uh, he's our final host with the most. He has been called the people's champion of this podcast. He's not Samoan like The Rock. He's Dale underscore A. Thank you for having me. Um, this is probably dull not being against any intro music, but everybody else used that time up. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time to introduce me anyway. Mark really yacked it up. You know, he thinks he's some big S on his big last show. Like he's Who part- will replace Mark Farrington, do you think? We have a short list. At Carsington over here. Carsington. Carsington. <laughs> short list includes just Dave. You know, mm-hmm. him and his sexy comics that he reads on past episodes. He's on a short list. What on earth? Beth Corto. She sat in, sat in on the most popular episode. Of- <laughs> <laughs> Freudian slip there, oh, Slim. Yeah, really. <laughs> that was a uh, Sue Storm defecation Freudian <laughs> slip right. from last week. That's a callback. Not back. so high up you now, are you? Uh, she's on the short list, Beth Corto. Check out Lemire Keg, our, our biggest episode we've ever done. She's a female, and she was on the show, comic fans. She's she's just tops. She's up there. She's tops. She's at the top of the list. What did you feel about being replaced permanently by Beth Corto? I would be angry because I couldn't be in the room to stare at her. Oh, wow. That's sad. Totally inappropriate. Too far? Yeah. Image Comics. They're 20. 20 years old. 20 years old. It's about when I started reading comics when I was eight. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you're the, 28? the picture. You're 29, right? I'm gonna be 29 in March. They're gonna be 30 in March. Come on, you're like 40. Uh-huh. You need to relax. It's 55. What was Things the first count. Image comic book you've ever read? Dale underscore A podcast champion. Oh my gosh, putting it to you. I don't know. Shadowhawk maybe. Oh my god. I don't know. I didn't know any better back then. <laughs> he was like Batman and Wolverine in one, wasn't he? He had the the, the iron mask. Yeah, he the had steel the... mask, whatever that was. I think he didn't had he? the HIV or something, didn't he? Was oh, he yeah. I think he did, actually. Yeah, that yeah. was his like big story. Revolutionary. That was his big superpower. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. I can't imagine it ended well for him. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Technology today, I mean, they keep you alive. Mark Farrington, you, well, from what we gathered from the pre-show, you were not a fan of Image Comics. I didn't know him too well. My first exposure to Image was actually through Wizard Magazine looking at Rob Leefield's pictures. Hmm. Maybe the Young Blood promos. Young Blood. Yep. You were a big fan of the Young Blood. Never read an issue. What about Spawn? I did read Spawn. Oh, yeah, that Spawn. was Image Comics. That was Image Comics. I'm not sure if you right. know or not. I read Spawn number one. Okay. Other than that, until I met you, Yahoo's, I really wasn't an Image kind of guy. I remember when Spawn came out and it was a dollar ninety-five, and wow. I almost crapped in my pants because it was so much. Yeah, it had high gloss paper. Guy. And I was like, "Whoa, what is this?" High gloss paper, dollar ninety five. You know, that's how I said it. Read all about it. <laughs> <laughs> My brother uh, got into. He was a Spawn collector. He got into the Spawn, so we have all the the beginning issues. I don't think we have the 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 most sought after ones because I think there was like a year in between certain issues or whatever. Jonesy loves Jonesy. What what's your <laughs> earliest image memory? Uh, definitely Spawn. Uh, I think I remember the HBO special, the movie, and reading, or not the special, but the animated series, the movie, the comics. I don't know if I was really into Spawn, but I remember being like, 
when you come at a young age, when you come from like a Superman, Batman only background, you see this with like strange, new, mature thing, and you're like, oh, what is this? But uh, I will say that beyond that, I kind of missed the boat on Image Comics from that point on, but I definitely am back on board now with almost all other titles monthly. Like, uh, it's like a different company. Invincible. Yeah, Walking absolutely. Dead. Uh, it's just, uh, I think it's a, I think along the lines of like what Mark, especially what Mark brought up, I mean, Wizard was probably my big, biggest exposure to Image Comics. Wizard was the internet back then. Yeah, Wizard was the yeah. comics, everything to, to a comic fan. And, uh, I mean, back then, like, I always thought, and, and it may have been for the longest time, Image Comics was like, was Youngblood and Spawn. Witchblade. Wildcats. I think Wild, was Witchblade Wild Top Cow or Image? Wild, no, Witchblade was Image. Witchblade was, was Image. Oh. I don't think it was. No, I think it might have been Top Cow now. Well, Sylvester, didn't Sylvester go to Image? Or no, I don't remember. No, I think it was Top Cow now that we're sitting here talking about we it. We look like idiots. Yeah, we do. Look like young punks. Wildcats <laughs> was a big one. Uh, was Gen 13 in the next wave of creator books at Image? Like, that started its own imprint, wasn't it? Uh, was that Cliffhanger? Was that Danger Girl? Anyone else? Am I talking to myself? Savage yeah, Dragon. Yeah, pretty much. Welcome to the show. Everybody. Savage Dragon, yeah. Mm-hmm. We all read that one. And that's it. And that's... But but that's... I was never interested in any of those books as a kid. I remember... I, the only reason I read Shadowhawk back then, I was like, I got it in a clamshell at Walmart mm. back in the day with like the first four issues or something like that. What's funny to note is, while the four of us are struggling trying to think of definitive image titles... Paper cake listeners are screaming at us. Yeah, right. Can't <laughs> right wait now. to read the hate mail on that one. Yeah, image is real. You'll big. never read it. <laughs> this is your last show. You're not taping right. a new sounder. That's right. Uh, I lost my train of thought. Beth Gordo's <laughs> gonna read them <laughs> to you. Image's real claim to fame was the she fact that all so of well. these really, <laughs> all of these really prominent creators left uh, pretty meaty, pretty well-paying positions at Marvel. Just to go start their own line. Mm-hmm. I remember the being interested in the Spawn animated series because I thought there was going to be naked women in it, so and I'm pretty sure there was. Point. Yeah, I, I had to wait to get the VHSs to watch it, or go over to my buddy's house and we watch it late at night. I remember I started when I started working. Oh, volume uh, notch one. <laughs> yeah. When I started working at Camelot Music, it was like my first job or Record Town. Uh, that was like one of the first things I bought with one of my paychecks was the Spawn VHS. <laughs> Sounds like the title was like an indie movie. Camelot music. Yeah, it does. High Fidelity. Was it was was your shop the basis for High Fidelity? Yes. Or yes, were you was. John Cusack? I was Tim Robbins in that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't nearly as cool. Uh, what Ian guy? I worked at West Coast Video when I was younger. I yeah, the West, remember, West Coast Wild Coast? Dogs. Actually, did too. I was double pulling double duty at Camelot and, and West Coast. West Coast. That was Camelot, the greatest job of all time, but I couldn't survive on the six dollars an hour. Didn't you do that with at D sale? I worked with Just Dave, possible replacement host for you. We worked there. Looks like we'll be working together, together again. again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, just watching. I remember we used to watch. You imagine we, six dollars an hour if we got paid? Oh my God, six dollars an hour would be awesome. We used to watch Spaceballs in work, but we didn't realize. Well, we eventually realized that there were curse words in it. But at the time, um. Willing to bet you money that the rating for the movie is PG, and that was before the ratings got really stringent. What time of night did you guys wait to go put on the smut videos that were in the back never, of the store? Never, Six PM. never. We did have an adult section, and we knew the customers. It's it's very strange because you get used to the customers you see every day, and you 
know their adult video tastes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Just Dave's dentist was a frequent customer in that oh, section. Oh, no. Good yeah. grief. We had the same dentist. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he got some... some what we, we used to do is... It was very off topic, but we used to go through the the computer uh, system in the app, and we would just go through the titles and just try to find the funniest titles we could think we could find. Great, great job! You got I got one from my West Coast days. Yeah, can I say it. Sure, we can't play it in the shop anyway. <laughs> Willie Wanker and the Fudge Packing Factory. <laughs> that was one of the West Coast. I can't. I can't say my my favorite. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll okay. say it later after the show. Easter egg. The erotic time machine, but I worked at your guys's competition, <laughs> Ball Buster Video. So they really didn't have the hardcore stuff. They had the softcore. No, we had it Red all. Shoe Diaries. Oof. Zalman Kings. The Red best, Shoe Diaries. The best was the customers who didn't really want to be seen picking it up, so they would just awkwardly look to the left, right, kind of stroll, and then when they think nobody's Which looking, just drawing dart. more attention to them. Exactly. <laughs> one, one of my all-time <laughs> memorable moments was uh, I, I think – there was, for whatever reason, I had to search the computers for DVDA, and I didn't know at the time what that meant. So I was like yelling over to Dave, uh, like, yeah, I can't find this one movie, something, something DVDA. <laughs> I was saying it out loud to this guy. And then, you know, he explained to me. Afterwards. I feel bad for the people that listen to this, don't know what you're talking about, and then Google it. <laughs> yeah, do not Google that unless you're by yourself late at night. Over 18 years old. Yeah, Who's I mean, keeping us track on this one? How do we, we get there? We need to move it on. Happy birthday, Image. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this, is, this is a podcast about comics, I Irredeemable swear. coming to an end. That's right. After 37 issues, a little over three years of running, all by Mark Wade. Incorruptible uh, as well. Incorruptible and as nobody, well. Nobody read that in Spanish. Uh, <laughs> irrede- irredeemable, actually, I stopped when he went into the, the sun prison, or okay. the star prison, Yeah. and he had that weird character following him around. And the I sun actually, is a star. And I actually started reading, again, I downloaded like the next 10 issues, and so I started reading it tonight, actually. And I'm almost caught up. Meta. To those who don't know, Irredeemable tells the story of a hero named Plutonian who is of Superman-like power. It asks the question, what happens if an all-powerful hero goes evil? It's like a Mark Miller question. It is a Mark Miller question. Written by Mark Wade. It was a series I think the four of us all really loved. But You especially because the JSA guest starred in, what, issue 15? (laughs) And because it's written by my favorite writer. Right. Are your writer's favorite writer? Your writer's favorite writer. Oh, okay. He's my favorite writer. It definitely felt like it should have ended already. And, and that was one of the there things. Yeah. art changes and things just fell apart. Yeah, it started off apart. really strong. It was a premise we really hadn't seen explored where the hero just becomes the villain. He snaps one day and does these reprehensible things. But I think as it went on, we all agreed that, okay, you can't really turn this into an ongoing Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the first two volumes were as close as you can get to a perfect execution of a comic book. Right into where they, um, you, the big reveal that, um, what's his name, made a deal with the uh, the alien, pr- the, the mm-hmm. guys who run the prison, that he gave up all their super happy extra dimensional alien friends mm-hmm. to get enslaved. Just on the off chance that one day Platoni might go rogue. I mean, that was that was pretty amazing. Yeah. But there, is that, who's, uh, the uh, 
the one issue, the storyline that's happening now is um, he gets out of the sun jail, and then he... It's actually pretty cool. I don't think it's a spoiler at this point because I think I'm like five months behind. But the the Japanese have this like doomsday plan, yeah, where they unleash these two powerful beings, but they have to blow up like a nuclear power plant to do it. So they wipe out like a quarter of the Earth's population to unleash these beings on Plutonian. And uh, there's like a reveal about what these beings are to plutonium which is kind of cool yeah that's why i stopped today the follow-up issues to that are, are pretty good too hmm. i did skip the irredeemable incorruptible crossover issues though is that coming out it already yeah. just ended it just i ended. think the next cover i saw was that it was Ugh. like 31 through 34 Sounds terrible something or like that 30 through 30 something yeah. like that not interested yeah i, I skipped that's it why too. stopping it was so bad i guess i, I was I reading read it i was reading an interview with mark wade and he said that this is a physically taxing book for him to write. The feelings of betrayal, the hurt, the jealousy, things like that. He's drawing from personal experience, and he said emotionally he just can't do it anymore. And plus, in his mind, the series asked the question, what happens if a being like Superman becomes a villain? Well, halfway through the series, they already answered that. Mm-hmm. So, as we've all said countless times, it's kind of like they're dragging their feet. We need to move on. Hopefully, Jonesy won't unplug his mic again. I'm just, I'm just so distraught by the thought of Mark actually leaving. The it's a we'll trouble, it out after. it's a troubling time that we're in. Mark uh, Wade leaving, incorruptible. What or a Mark. what a parallel we're hitting right now. That's right between these two gentlemen. You are the Mark Wade of paper cake. Let's move into the roundtable of books that we're reading right now. That's what we do. I want to hear from one man and one man only. I know. Dale underscore A. Wow, you went with me. <laughs> we, we were we locked eyes. We did. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about the Secret Avengers issue twenty one point one. Rick Remender's uh, first issue hmm. on the new Secret Avengers hmm. run. Uh, Warren Ellis just um, finished up his awesome run on the book where they were all self contained issues. Perfectly executed, wonderfully done. Mm-hmm. Rick Remender is going to pick it up, and I imagine start writing a a couple. I have the feeling maybe he's going to write for uh, you know a couple a couple issue arcs because that's what he does in every other book, right, right. and that's how the Secret Avengers originally was. Mm-hmm. Um, Secret Avengers is about um, Cap, Tin America, and Hawkeye on kind of a kind of reminded me of the movie trailer for Mission Impossible 4 because I didn't actually see it. Right. But they were in Dubai, which is like this um, it's a a country that, you know, Americans has no, they have no power over. It's very outlawish kind of country where um, I mean, people could just get away with S because it's all corrupt and rich. Very rich city. There's casinos everywhere. Mm. And um, what it boils down to is Cap is kind of testing Hawkeye for him to uh, take over as kind of point point man for the Secret Avengers. Really? And um, they're going in to rescue a, a U.S. senator or some sort of political figure in the U.S. And it turns out to be all a trap. But maybe they knew that all along. Really? Or at least Captain America did. And he was kind of gauging 
Hawkeye's reactions to the uh, situation, and their back and forth was just really excellently excellently written. And um, I I mean I'd like to see more of that. I I don't read um, Secret Avengers with any regularity, but uh, if there was more of that in this, I mean I'm not too sure on uh, if it's a Hawkeye mostly Hawkeye book. I don't know, but Mr. the way Ven- Venom's not on this, right? Is he? He no. will be joining the team, but he wasn't in this issue. Yeah, it's just um, just Cap and Hawkeye in this oh. issue. Um, who drew it? Oh, uh, I forget who it was. Um, Can we get the intern? But there was a there was a scene where I, I Cap was in a tuxedo. Well, they were in a tuxedo because they were secret agents at a certain point. But uh, I would I would read a whole comic with Captain America in a tuxedo. Guy by the name I thought of, it was awesome. Guy by the name of Patrick Zercher. Sorry to cut you off. No, his art looks like. David Finch a little bit to me. Really? Interesting. <laughs> Intriguing. But it's all about um, Captain America has really given Hawkeye a, a, a hard time uh, with this. and But it was all part of the plan. Captain America is a dummy. He knows what, what I hear. Doing. That's what I hear. I don't know about the regular universe Cap, but Ultimate Cap certainly was no dummy. And they aren't held up. I mean, it was very nice. And, uh, I mean, I could watch this guy draw Captain America in a tuxedo. I mean, I can tell you that much. I'll buy it. I read it too, and I loved it. And I like the scene where they're sitting there arguing, and Captain America just breaks him down. It's like, oh man, he gets you're the hothead. Your parents or your father beat you. You turned a life of crime. You're always claiming how much you hate me, and yet you want my approval. He just lays in oh, the guy. He was just basically said, like, you're looking to me as a father figure, and you want me to be your dad. Like that was like, Clint started like sobbing at that point. And then he was just like, you can't. You can't tell me that. No. No one else was funny about it, too. He goes to Clint, and he's like, I needed you to do this mission because I need to see if you are ready to lead an undercover team of Avengers, but you're not. He goes, I'm spread too thin, and I need you to do this. So he's giving it to Hawkeye, who's appearing in almost as many books as Wolverine right now. Eh, yeah. I left. Hmm. Great book. Maybe I'll check it out. It was a, And it was really executed a, tw- a point one issue. I mean, it was really... Oh, Point one, I didn't realize. You yeah, said that. Hmm. and uh, some of the point ones have been kind of disappointing. Uh, what was it? Uncanny X Force. Garbage. Point, that point one issue was lame as s. Um, speaking of garbage, lame than Willy Wanker. Jonesy loves beer. What are you reading right now? <laughs> Ouch. Go ahead. Why? Why? What is uh? Jonesy, uh, Jonesy loves comics. Yeah. Uh. So anyway. Mini Bellini. Let me go into my title. Invincible 88. That's like your go-to book on this podcast. And why it? shouldn't it be? Have you been reading? <laughs> I have, but I don't t- tell to. me as if I have not been. Well, loyal listener and invincible reader, mm-hmm. uh, this Ryan Otley masterpiece shows off the battle between Thrag, Invincible, Kid Omni-Man, and Alan the Alien. Um, with a special guest appearance by the Guardians of the Globe. Uh, Guardians of the Lobe? Of the Globe? <laughs> what are they the, called? The, the mic again? Yeah, th- yeah, that was the mic's fault, not me. Uh, so this issue, um, of course, you know, everybody's on a, a standoff about um, whether or not the coalition is going to come in and uh, eradicate Earth and gamble uh, eradicating the human race while they're at it in order to kill the Viltrumites. And um, the the first couple pages, there's actually like an intellectual standoff, 
where Thrag's just like, hey, look, you can try, but, you know, what we really have here is a stalemate, so either you leave or I kill you. It's a pretty interesting conversation. The Guardians of the Globe, of course, show up uh, and ruin everything and precipitate the fight. Uh, After some patented Brian Otley blood bathery, the poison gets swiped by Kid Omni-Man. He flies down to unleash it. And uh, spoilers, fast forward ahead 30 seconds. (laughs) Space okay, <laughs> so so he ends up spraying the poison in Invincible's face. Inappropriate. The Viltramite killing poison. So, Slim, how'd you feel about that? Stunned. Yeah. So, um, it's like in The Rock when that guy took that VX rocket gas right in the face, huh? Uh, Invi- Invincible. Similar. similar. Asks for a sit rep. Uh, Alan the alien basically tells him that. You know, it's going to scatter across the ocean, so there's going to be minimal, if any, casualties. And then Invincible's like, good, we need to go get the rest of the poison. And uh, Alan the alien has this shocked look on his face, and the last splash page is Invincible going, what? What's wrong? And he has, like, blood trickling out of his nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then at the end of the book, they tease the next issue, which finally has the cover of the Black Invincible. So Blincible. Is that called? In, in blackable? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I don't know. This is, I, I had said a couple times that, you know, I'm, I'm a loyal reader, but much like The Walking Dead, this book hit like a lull that I was kind of just going through the motions, but mm-hmm. I'm right back on board. Good. Invincible Black. Yeah. That's what they call There you them. go. Uh, Slim, what, you know, you're a fellow Invincible fan. What did you feel about this issue? Loved it. Loved it. A lot of junk not happening the past couple months. So stuff is happening now. Same with Walking Dead. It's like he got rejuvenated. Maybe he gets some free, more free time. Maybe there was a lull in Walking Dead stuff happening. So he had a few. He went to the Lazarus months, pit. Yeah, where he could spend time on writing. So I'm back. I'm back on the gravy train. Everybody who reads Walking Dead's been ripping it the last couple months. Is it that bad? It Just, definitely slowed I mean, down. Yeah, nothing happened in the issues. Very. I mean, you could do. You could recap what happened in three months worth of comics in, you know, three pages of one book. Yeah, ready? People are mad. People don't want to talk to Rick. Rick's a jerk. <laughs> For ten issues. So the, the most recent it. one is good. Very good. Yeah, very good. Mark Farrington, um, you know, this is your last uh, book club. My last round, Robin. This is it. So I'll go with Fantastic Four number 602 by John Hickman and Barry Kitson. Picking up from previous three issues, Fantastic Four are in space. Johnny Storm is back. They are leading the Annihilus wave against the Kree Empire and losing. Marvel heroes are down on New York trying to protect the city from the fallout. The Supreme Intelligence is back and it is trying to get the Kree to decimate New York. Has it already been decimated by Firatov? Not yet. You would think so. Okay. They had a magic duex machina cleanup in Fear itself. Oh, I didn't read it. Fantastic Four realized that they are outgunned, outnumbered. Reed and Sue run to the hull of the ship, release a signal flare in the air. Last page is Galactus ready to help them out. Nice. Good single issue. It's kind of cool to see the FF in the middle of a heated action-packed story. My only problem with Hickman's run, which started out incredibly well and incredibly interesting, 
you need to take notes just to follow it from month to month. This is a book that would easily benefit from being read in a collected edition. I've read it faithfully every Wednesday when it comes out once a month, and I'm still lost. So, yeah. Weren't the Celestials in Uncanny X-Men also? They were also in Uncanny X-Men. Don't Kieran Gillen and Jay Hickman talk? Speak once in a while. You know? Nobody should speak to Kieran Gillen. His... (laughs) Look out! Uncanny has been parting shots. Unhorrible. Hashtag it's been unhorrible. It's unhorrible. Been, how about those Greg Land issues? Hmm. Those last two have been by Greg Land. Greg Land doesn't great. bother me like you. Oh my god! So you don't like Uncanny X Men, but not because of Greg Land? Yeah, that sums it up. Yeah. I don't understand what that means to in, to my brain. Well, it's kind of the reverse of this. I love Fantastic Four, and, and I love Kitson more than Hickman, just because I'm lost. And I've read every issue. Have you been reading FF as well? or I tried to get into FF. I like the idea of a spinoff, and I like how they're having their own separate adventures that tie into this. The art's just been making yeah. me hard to get into it. I'm just wondering. I haven't read it for, like, I didn't read it after the first arc. I wonder if Spider-Man's still in the FF since. Spider-Man's still in Fantastic Four right now. Oh, is he? And oh. I guess when this story arc is closed, they'll resolve getting him out, maybe. Yeah, probably. But Poor FF guy. is just the kids. Oh, it's, that's right. Yeah, that's what I was wondering if it... Venom. Okay. <laughs> Rick Remender, Tony Moore. There goes my lightning round. Venom. You know, uh, Flash Thompson. You know, he's with the symbiote. He's a he's a cripple. Yeah. He's what, they, what they call in the streets a crip. He's got no <laughs> legs. Oh, so Venom, the symbiote, <laughs> gives him the legs. So he's a hero. The now. workable legs. Uh, and there's, there's, so this current run, it's going to be like a four issue kind of mini series where it starts in this issue, issue, and then it goes <laughs> into some point one issues. Um, it brings in Red Hulk, All your right. favorite, Rulk, our He's boy, back. Uh, not quippy in this issue, so I was, you know, I was all right, all right, Rick, you got me so far. Oh boy, you know, Rick. So not only is Rulk in this episode, in this issue, female Ghost Rider. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is she called the Ghost Rider? Ghost Rider. Everyone just cool out because Tony Moore is drawing this. Okay. Everyone stay with Everybody me. Just calm down. You know, it's. Yeah, I did. I did read this issue, and you are right. It sounds ludicrous. Tony Moore's drawing it. Okay. Okay. It's all, all right. Here. I'll stop. You know. I'll stop freaking it's out. It's no. It's no Frankencastle. So, <laughs> female Ghost Rider. We have Rulk. Venom, X-2-3. She's in it. Joining forces. What's she doing? She you know, have a job, I Out guess. of nowhere, they're uh, joining together uh, to fight an old foe from the olden days. Blackheart. Whoa. And you are a Ghost Rider fan. Not since Marvel vs. Capcom 2, if I... <laughs> <laughs> wow. They, uh... They they show the character of Blackheart as a young gothy looking character who's running like you know a corporation or whatever I don't, I don't remember, but he eventually reveals himself something, to be something social commentary Blackheart, <laughs> um, and it reminds me of uh, I'm trying to remember the title, but it was the JRJR trade paperback of Wolverine, Ghost Rider, and Punisher against Blackheart. And I can only remember a cover from that run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Um, so it reminds me of that. So I remember, like, oh yeah, that was that was that was fun book. Yeah, it was fun. So they're doing battle. 
um, against Evil in this little run. So it feels like it's going to be a Frankencastle type, you know, he's going to throw anything at the wall and see what sticks hey. in terms of goofiness. Though Tony Moore is not drawing every issue. He's only drawing this one and then the that's last a, that's part. That's a negative. Yeah. Uh, I will say, though, uh, Rick did do such a smash-up job with Uncanny X-Force. I will only give him a little leeway with a story that I might otherwise skip. What about Frankencastle? Did you read Frankencastle? No, I stayed away from that trash. Uh, I did. Lo- I have loved Venom, though, throughout this entire run from issue 1 to issue 13. So I'm not going to give it up just because I'm like, Because yeah. you're insured. But, uh, you're going to get the uh, remender faith. Roll I have to. Faith. I mean, he's no Maestro Scott Snyder, <laughs> but I'll I'll give the kid a shot. Right. We are running out of minutes for Mark's last show. We need to move into lightning round. Lightning round 2012. Right now, Dale underscore A. You have mastered the art of the lightning round. It's opposite day. That's not true. That's not funny either. What are you reading right now? Dark Horse Presents number eight. Eight dollars. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be not buying another one of these things if it costs eight dollars. How many pages is uh sorry. Sorry, this is, there's no time for that. The sixth gun. As Mark would say, the entire series. Uh, (laughs) A great sci-fi supernatural western amalgam. Western. Come for the characters, stay for the cool mythology. Uncanny X-Force number 21. My second issue of Uncanny X-Force I ever read. God, do I feel cheated for jumping on at this point. That's my issue. Superman. (laughs) DC has blown the biggest opportunity in comic book history with this relaunch. The death of Superman. Is that Superman or action you were talking about? Superman. Are you in a pit club? We are. You read along the with death us? of Superman, um, you know, a classic. You know, DC. Really? DC needed to spice things up back in the day. They were terrible back then. <laughs> <laughs> they were terrible when Christmas on Infinite Earths. They rebooted that, became unterrible. They became terrible. Are they are they terrible now, Dale? Be honest. Getting there. So you know, Superman. No one. You know, I, we should preface this with that John Landis character. You know, trying to steal our thunder. Right. Yeah. This podcast. Max Landis. Is it? Oh, John is his father. I John's guess. John's son. Yes. Is he the guy that directed Thriller? John Landis. Yes. Correct. Married yes. Wolf in London. <laughs> Almost Did that come off? Snip? <laughs> Almost I'm shot sorry. out of your couch. Uh, it's John, my mustache. John Landis over. historian over here. <laughs> uh, John Landis apologist. So, you know, the death of Superman back in the day, I had this trade. It's probably one of the earliest DC books I ever read outside of those CVS three packs 
you know, they come with the crappy Teen Titans and Hawk and Dove books. Right. You, you know? get one good book in that. Oh, God, yeah. those were the worst. So this uh, tells the story of a new character coming into the fray, new villain. Uh, you see Superman, you know, being his dopey self, trying to save everybody, and, and he fights this new villain and dies. So we're laughing at Superman because he tried to save people. Let's just get this right. That's what he did wrong in this scenario? Uh, we'll get to it. Okay. We I'm will s- get to it. Why are you getting so heated? Did you love this, this train? I mean... I like my heroes to save lives. Get, All right, let's take a step back. Get Slim. Argyled up here. <laughs> now, this trade, this is probably one of the... Uh, what Do you know what year this came out? Former DC historian? 92. Oh, okay. That was old when this came out. Good heavens. Um, I don't remember the single issues that much. This is like, you know, this is... Uh, first introduction I only knew of this in trade paperback format and I still have the original Mark you brought yours over here tonight um, you know it's, it's this was like an event back then it spanned you know how many titles did Superman have like eight he had four titles and then they even tied in a Justice League to it and what's funny is I think a lot of people our age and older will remember that the death of Superman got national media attention. Mm-hmm. In Absolutely. fact, it was international. It's huge. People were lining up in comic book stores to buy this because they thought it would be the issue that would put their kids through college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got the alarm band. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try to pay their respects to the local comic shop guy. And then, based on a documentary I watched... That's when there was a comic shop. Everybody... There was a comic shop on every corner because yeah, of this yeah, issue. Like Absolutely. Yeah, they opened up. Once... I realized that we were doing this book. I popped in a Superman documentary, and in there they had the creative teams from these books back then on the documentary, and they were given the behind-the-scenes story about it and everything. And it turns out that the Death of Superman storyline was really just kind of something people threw out one of the editorials at a meeting because they needed to find time to buy themselves from marrying Superman in the comic versus when they were doing it on the then new show Lois and Clark so that they could correlate the television wedding and the actual comic book wedding. Hmm. They came to realize that because what people don't realize, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but two months prior in comic book time, Superman proposed to Lois Lane. So they had planned to get them married. They just started Lois and Clark. They wanted them to get married at the same time. So the writers were frustrated that they had to push back a year's worth of storylines. They were angry. They were wound up. They didn't know what they could do to buy time. So somebody said, why don't we just kill him? And then everybody joked about it. They thought about it and said, it's not that bad of an idea. Why don't we kill him? It's morbid. Which led to the death of Superman story. (laughs) They couldn't just come up with some fill-in issues? I mean, by Yeah, really. Apparently. Greedy. They're greedy. Editorial decided or felt that Superman's popularity was waning. And this is the early 90s, so the big shoulder pad heroes, the gun-toting heroes, the violent anti-heroes were all the rage. So they wanted to show the world what it would be like without Superman. And so to do that, they literally decided to just take him out. How miserable is a world without Superman, but a world with Booster Gold? Man. Is there anything worse? If I were Superman, I would have killed myself if that was the only (laughs) option. (laughs) Zing! Uh, so, So this book starts out with um, I remember reading this when I was how old was I? Nineteen ninety two. Nine. Nine. Thank you. The storyline with the orphan child 
um, you know, thinking that he would go underground to save his mother. Yeah. When I read that as a nine-year-old, I was very grief-stricken when that kid found out that his mother was not there. Not so much now? Nah, it's still kind of, you know, I don't, there's no resolution. The kid is like, yeah. he finds out that his mother is not, you know, for those that haven't read it yet, there's this little kid that is orphaned and he thinks that, you know, I think what happened, the issue before this, that these, I wouldn't call them Morlocks because that's essentially what they are. They tell this kid that they have his mother underground. So, I don't know, he must have been like eight or nine or so. And he's got in his head, you know, oh, I'm going to go down there and save my mother. And she's going to love me. And she put me up for adoption. But I'm going to save her. And, you know, everything's going to be all right. We're going to be a family again. And he goes down there all sneaky. And he sees the Morlocks. And they say that they don't keep prisoners. And they tricked this little kid into thinking that they had his mother. <laughs> oh my god so he's and he's like sitting there and he starts crying that his mother isn't gonna love him and there's no chance at a as a at a union for their family you know what later on in the stories they managed to reunite turns out his mother had aids and she wound oh up god. dying jesus like that kid did not have an <laughs> easy life hot off of the real world in when i first read this this is the portion of this comic that stuck with me that this little kid did not reunite with his mother, and that this is the the probably the most jarring part of this book. This, yeah, the, what was the point of, insert, story. of inserting that B plot? <laughs> yeah, that was there was no reason for that in the death of Superman. <laughs> this uh, is the death of my innocence. The yeah, reading this book, yeah. this kid couldn't find his mother, but that's neither here nor there apparently. So, um, so in that book, right, Doomsday starts punching his way out of. Yeah, he punches Earth. out of his little his. You know, I guess there's a backstory that is revealed later, but he, you know, punches out of this steel cell and eventually, you know, finds Earth or like the above surface land and just goes on a on a killing warpath, killing everything and anybody and destroying mountains and eventually finds Superman and fights. And uh, well, no, he finds the Justice League first. Actually, there's a couple other scenes. The the part where Superman is doing the interview. On like a Good Morning America, not even really that. It was like The View, where they asked yeah. him these weird questions, and he's in a high school for kids. Was it a high school? They it's... were in a high school. So that that whole issue was very strange. The morning announcements, and the, the, I loved how I always think back to the Cable X Force comics, how the future slang, like stab his eyes, is like f him in the in the cable future like <laughs> stab his eyes like that's their slang and in this in this comic one of the slangs slang terms was spud do you remember that that's no. used oh, yeah yeah that's that, used a few times in the interview yeah. i remember that it's like a, a i don't know if that was slang back then or he just like tried to make it a thing but it definitely did not work it still it doesn't work now i don't know if it worked then um so he goes the justice league this dorky version of the justice league uh, with Guy Gardner in his cowboy boots and Blue Beetle and uh, Jet Ice Fire. Fire Is Ice. Is Jet one of them? I don't know. No. Fire like Ice Maxima and a guy by the name of Bloodwind. Bloodwind. Who was, so it, it's teased that he has like a secret identity that they try to find out. And I remember reading this and I was bummed that I couldn't find it out because it's not in the trade. Do you, do you know who he was real to be? Does it matter? Martian Manhunter. Really? Mm-hmm. He's hmm. terrible. Terrible. Then <laughs> Bloodwind. <laughs> Why did Martian Manhunter disguise himself as a uh, terrible a black superhero with a white costume? He was disillusioned with Earth at that point, and so so he, he wanted to make himself into a minority with the, the lamest looking costume on the planet. He thought that he would get more respect as a minority, but then they reckoned it that 
then he they was s- really taken over by something else. It's and convoluted sp- and not important. And he spelled his name with a Y. <laughs> it made him hip. It was in the 90s. Blood we end. We end. Uh, so Doomsday, this is one of the things I loved about this when I read it, is that there's, it remi- actually reminds me of Ultimatum in that it's like people get their, their the crap beat out of them for like issues at a time. Like Blue Beetle just gets murdered. Absolutely. In like eight panels, uh, Guy Gardner gets his face crushed into concrete and stomped on. <laughs> One of the they things can't even see, he can't even see his eyes are like <laughs> swollen shut. One of the things I never forgot about this was he beats Booster Gold, drags him over to a car door, opens it, and slams <laughs> his head in it. I never forgot that. This is like for me. This is this is like the greatest moment of my comic reading experience. Seeing Guy Gardner get his face crushed in a car door, and there's the one panel that I remember when I was younger is when Doomsday throws Guy Gardner at, or not Guy Gardner. I'm sorry, I'm saying Guy Gardner, but I mean Booster Gold. Um, Booster Gold thrown at Guy Gardner. And there's this weird panel where Booster Gold's legs look smaller. So he looks like a little person. Does anyone remember that panel? <laughs> it's very strange. Um, yeah, so the Justice League just pretty much get destroyed and then thrown into Superman, and Superman comes down and starts wreaking havoc. What happens from there, Gen Z? He dies. <laughs> yeah. So so somehow Doomsday gets it in him because he sees on a, a, a wrestling commercial on a TV that he was oh, going to yeah. head to Metropolis because they were fighting on TV and now he needs to get to Metropolis for some reason. So Superman has to stop him from getting to Metropolis. Yeah. And Doomsday is not going to stop heading towards Metropolis and killing people mm-hmm. and just walking on people and punching people in his path. And that's the... And that's pretty much what happens for so the that's next, like, like the, four issues. Yeah, that's like the other fight. five issues. The first two issues are the kid, the the lonely kid who doesn't have a mom. Second issue is the Justice League. And then it's Superman chasing after Doomsday and then Jimmy and Lois in a helicopter chasing them in a helicopter. Jimmy Olsen squirting all over his... <laughs> <laughs> he, he like he is so sure he's got some Pulitzer Prize winning stuff. He but does. He's like, darn if it isn't because Superman's going to die. Poor Superman's going to have to pay for this. And uh, but d- darn, my pictures are good. I loved uh, Dan Jurgens' art in this in these these issues. I thought they were awesome. So so did I. I love Dan Jurgens' art, especially in number seventy five, all splash pages. Mm-hmm. And I love Tom Grummet's art too. I thought he was really good on him. Um, the yeah, that was one thing that I remember. Was the last three issues, um, they go into, like, the third from the last issue, every page is in three panels. Uh, so there's one big one and then two. And then the second to last issue is all two panels a page. And then the final issue is literally all splash pages. Uh, so there's every page is one page, you know, a splash page. They started that at part five. Five was five? Five was five and then four was four and so on. Hmm, I don't remember that. Hmm. And the battle, story-wise, was getting more and more frantic as it was counting down to that last issue. So they decided to do that little art method of that's that's such an odd, odd uh, arrangement. When you, I, you know, I don't think that's ever been done before, has it? Not that I knew of, but it was something I never caught until I was an adult, and somebody pointed it out to me. Um, Dan Jurgens. I think Dan Jurgens had the strongest art. Um, yeah, the what's his Walter. Bogdevane, I don't remember. John Bogdevane and Walter Simonson, they did some. Did he? Did Simonson draw or did his wife write? His wife his wrote. Wife wrote. Okay. 
and Tom Grummet was on Action co- Adventures of yeah, I Superman. Didn't like, I didn't like Tom Grummet's Todd Grummet's heart. You didn't like that one? No, too clean. Okay, I could see that. Um, I I mean the, the final issue. So many great, the, I mean, the double page spread of him being held by Lois and then him, like, you know, sh- her letting go. So iconic, those pages. Loved them. The cover, how about that cover with the flag just draped, or his cape torn in tatters, draped over a pole blowing in the wind? Mm-hmm. Uh, iconic, but iconic for USA Today. Like, it was iconic until I read the whole thing, and it's just so completely terrible. <laughs> <laughs> wow! It's, they're, he's in a f- f- fist fighting match with Doomsday. Like I don't know. Like I just Doomsday. There's no reason for me to think like if Lex Luthor killed Superman, that'd be something. Lex Luthor has a a, a past, and he he's painted as a guy that I know something about. But if I just reading solely this trade, I don't know anything about this Doomsday. But he just killed Superman, and I don't I don't give a reason to. There's no reason for me to give a crap about him. No, I think you're right. Um, The summary that we gave of this actual storyline is everything that happened. They didn't waste any time on character development. They didn't explain who Doomsday was or why he's on a rampage. It was just Doomsday shows up, Superman's got to take him down, and they wind up defeating each other in the end. Mm -hmm. Period. End of story. Yeah, and they defeat each other, which is uh, crazy. Yeah, I was really bummed. I remember when I was reading when I was younger, I was really bummed that Superman discovered Doomsday's weakness at, like, the third to last page. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Hitting his bone shards. Like, ah, oh, I hurt him somehow, and then he's dead three pages later. The, the, and a lot of that bummed me out because there was so much inner monologue to describe the action. I mean, it was an all-action-oriented. The whole arc was action. So there was so much like, oh, man, if I punch him right here, if I... If I maybe if I drive them in so far into this lake, like I don't know, there's so much nowadays, or at least different uh, um, issues of comics that we've read. The this same stuff can be described so well in the actual art itself, somehow. But mm-hmm. in this, it's just like, especially when the the whole Justice League are thinking about it, like to themselves, it's like, geez, these guys are knuckleheads. Yeah, yeah. When you think, you know. There wasn't a smarter superhero in the in the DC universe yeah. that couldn't have come up with a scheme while this was happening to take down Doomsday was pretty you know unsettling. You know they touch on it in that um, John Linus's kit video, but why wouldn't they tap Batman? Yeah, what was he doing? One? They're like, oh, you yeah. know, we could really use a home trained, brilliant, genius crime fighter. <laughs> We don't have one, though, so I guess we're just going to have to fight it out. Yeah, like, Batman was busy with his own little situation because that was the same time that Bane broke everybody out of Arkham, leading up to him getting his bat broken. Defend I mean, come on, he couldn't jump on a conference call as a consultant? Gotham comes first. Soups, you got that one? All right, all right call me if you need so me. So who's, who's, who's like number two behind Batman? Where's Wonder Woman? What's she doing? Or was Deanna at I mean, this time? I don't know where Wonder Woman was. We're talking about the entire DC universe. None of them could hop in like the DC version of a Quinjet. Captain Marvel. And help the guy. <laughs> Captain Marvel. What was he doing? You know what? Yeah. This was all things that they explored in the follow-up story arc, World Without a Superman, the give funeral. Me, give me five One of the Flashes, why... one of the Green Lanterns. Yeah. Where was Flash? Uh, 
Could the whole flash. Green Lantern Corps, aren't they in his debt like a million times over? There Could, was only 10 of them at the time. Couldn't Flash... The like, 10 of them couldn't show up? Couldn't Flash like run around him 100 times and shoot him into the sun or something? Why yep. didn't he throw him into the sun? Agreed. I don't know. Because <laughs> Doomsday had no control when he was in midair leaping. So yeah. Superman could have scooped him up and spun him around and thrown him right that's, into the that's sun. That's page one. Superman <laughs> book, right? That's in his playbook. Throw like, villain into sun. Like, why did he have to get into a boxing match with this guy? Like, there's so much more Superman can do. You guys are looking at me like I, I wrote well, this. We're book. mad at you. You love it. You're, you're obviously in love with this book. You have a copy in your house framed. Like there's a trade framed on your wall. And you have a, another there should copy be a right copy here. Frame. Whenever he walks out of the house, he has to kiss his hand and like slap the front <laughs> yeah. page of the book. How about Lois Lane? She looks like Patrick Swayze from Roadhouse. <laughs> I mean, it is. Well, can you blame Superman? Patrick Swayze looked great in Roadhouse. Yeah, she, yeah, did. she did not look like anything Lois Lane should look like in this trade. <laughs> She looked like a redhead, weird Murphy Brown. <laughs> yeah, she did. She did. <laughs> well, every outfit had shoulder pads. Yeah, she, she looked like Cable. Skirts to her ankles. <laughs> she was yeah. She was a non-factor in this book. I mean, there was a lot. The entire DC universe was a non-factor. Legion, the lamest group in comic That's book right. history, they couldn't come back in time and help. Come back in time and be like, "Hey, Superman, we're lame and from the future. We got a plan for you." Yeah, where were they? We they couldn't have come back and said, "We know what's going to happen in the future. You have to do this." Blah blah blah. Get out of here. Get out of here. Editorial Jump. note: I'm sitting across the room from all three of them, and they're staring at me with <laughs> anger, as though I wrote this crossover. You are a DC cheerleader, so you're you have you to are. take the brunt of you're this. You're the assault. death of Superman apologist. You take the good with the bad, and I love this book for what it was. As a ten year old, when I read it thinking that this was the most B.A. book on the planet mm-hmm. before I understood little things like plot holes and character development and yeah. sound storytelling. Right. I mean, really, because there's just no... It's just, I don't know, it's upsetting. Like, this is the first time they've ever te- tried to get serious and they, they wanted to kill a, a superhero. And it's just like... Really? Yeah. That's how I you mean, did it? Yeah, because and now what you're saying with this, they're trying to just make filler issues because a stupid Dean Cain and a stupid Terry Hatcher... Uh, it's just they could have put more, a lot more thought into it and had you know Lex Luthor's son do it you know because Lex whoever that was in this book with this big red ginger Luther. beard I I mean I don't know there's just no substance behind this book whatsoever I, and and in uh, you no, know that, really not. that video yeah. that he also brought up how you know the comics community was that felt they felt betrayed that Superman came back am I just so disillusioned that. Now that I can't imagine them not bringing Superman back around that time. I think you are, because keep in mind, this happened when we were 9 and 10, and the only superhero resurrection at that point was Jean Grey. It wasn't, death didn't have a revolving door for the heroes yet. Hmm. And so, it's crazy to think about now, because now just, oh, somebody's dead. Right. Like, even, I just, I, it's hard to think Except about it, because, Spider-Man. you know, there's, there, what were the movies still being made, or was that, there was four, four maybe was the last made. one? But Did they think that, well, that's it for Superman. We're just going to have to, you know, not do any more Superman properties. He's dead. And when I was a kid, when I was 10 years old, and I didn't know. I wasn't jaded. I didn't know they were going to come back. I didn't know that it was all just a filler plot to kill time. I thought this was it. This is the death of one of my favorite heroes. So what came after this when they had the four Supermen, that was the biggest thing in the world to me. Like, you got four guys who all think they're Superman. Covers were great, too. The covers were yeah, awesome. I mean, but the thing that blows my mind is that was the issue after Superman died. There are four Supermen. That was... N- 
Wasn't it, wasn't, later, what about like Funeral that? for a Friend? How long was that? That was 10 issues, so that was maybe about two and a half months. It was, was, was it 10 months or 10 issues over the four titles? 10 issues over the four titles with maybe a tie-in here or there. I remember I have the one where, was it Pa Kent? Did Pa Kent die or did he have, just have a heart attack? Pa that? Kent had a heart attack in the middle of his field. Because yeah, he was that, partially that grieving. That issue I have. And I remember like Superman visited him from the grave or something like that. Right. He was going to the white light and then he saw Clark being taken away by Kryptonians. And yeah. he fought for his soul to drag him back. When he drug him back, uh, Paul wakes up in the hospital. And he's like, I brought back Clark. He's going to be fine. Next thing you know, the next four pages are introducing oh, yeah. the four Supermen. And uh... in a world without internet, in a world without solicitations, in a world without jaded creators... That was the next step. Like, I like, wonder what's going to happen. And, you know, and then we, the video again, I'm like, the, made fun of that pretty hardcore. But back then, you know, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. The reign of the Superman. I was into that. Yeah. I mean, those die cut so covers were. Yeah. I mean, they looked, they, you look at them now, they look early 90s. But, I yeah, mean, I mean, as a 10 year old. Cyborg Superman was BA. Yeah. As a 10 year old, I guess that's the demographic yeah. you're shooting for back then. Absolutely. Gen Z is remarkably quiet in this entire thing. Did you reread uh, Death of Superman? Be honest right now. I did. I did, certainly. Okay. I did struggle with some of it. Mm-hmm. But you know, my ultimate thought is, like, if you, if you look, if you break out the premise without reading how the book executed it, doesn't it sound pretty great? Super powerful alien that does the job where Kryptonite couldn't for the last X amount of years, shows up. Superman has to stop his entry for, to Metropolis for days. They have an ultimate brawl that brings these two titans finally to their death. Like that, like that premise is like, yeah, like you know, if we could get like a Jim Lee on art, or like, like I would read that in a heartbeat today. But you yeah. know, trying to sit back and read it as a modern comic book reader, trying to go back and put my my frame of mind back to that kid who was excited when these issues came out. I mean, I could still remember, you know, having a little tear in my eye on that one cover where all the heroes are um, on top of the Daily Planet and Batman, like, lets the cape into the wind. And, like, he's, like, standing there on, like, uh, one of the buttresses of the building. Like, I remember being like, oh, man, that was brutal. Wow. So, but I just think it was just way too wacky. 90s for me then that's just not my taste anymore. wackier than savage dragons volume one uh no 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 never <laughs> not never. that whack no, no it doesn't get wackier <laughs> no it doesn't get that zany that's zany and, territory and i think you guys kind of touched on it now with the internet age and stuff like that i mean especially looking back at something like that now that we're spoiled by the the uh the fringe benefits of having internet and twitter 24-hour news feeds right into our head. Uh, something like this, I guess, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But, like, <laughs> we we were hanging on the last page of every comic in that arc before. You know what I mean? So it's true there were no solicitations unless you were out looking for it in, like, a, you know, a the shop. Diamond newsletter. Yeah, a local shop where they would give you, like, that uh, little newspaper fold-up newsletter and slip it into your paper bag. That would come out, the CBN or whatever it was called. Yeah, it's crazy that back then the only person or people that got the solicitations were comic shop owners. And that's the and you had to get your information from your your shop, your shop manager. Those I never were, thought about that. Those were the people that you know told you what to get and what was coming out, and that's it. Yeah, it's weird to think about. 
Mm-hmm. Another big obstacle for this book is it's kind of a victim of its times where Superman had four titles. And so there's a lot going on at any given moment. The titles are interlinked. So for me, having read all of those then and now, I have the benefit of understanding who the characters are, where they are at that moment, who's who and what's going on. I'm expecting any one of you three to go, why the hell does Lex Luthor have red hair? Or why did Supergirl turn into a little plasma being when she got punched? Oh, yeah. that, that, I, that uh, I've wondered it for so many years that I just stopped caring and wondering what the reasoning was. Right. I, and I, the only thing I would have... I, I didn't ask. The only reason I didn't is because it was touched on one blurb that said that's Lex Luthor's son or it's Lex Luthor recloned or something like. Otherwise, I just thought it was Lex Luthor with 90s hair. Like, <laughs> I, that, honestly, that's all I thought of. And he had he looked like Supergirl, an older like Lionel from Thundercats. Yeah, yeah, he did. Like an Amish Lionel. You definitely didn't need to know everything to enjoy it, but I think it would have helped. And looking back, I would love for this book to be held up as high as. Alan Moore's Whatever Happened to the Man of Steel, or the Man of Tomorrow, I'm sorry. Hmm. But instead, there's no way you can't. And that was the definitive to me, last Superman story, or one of his rogues gallery just comes back and F's S up. F's S up. F's S up. F's S up, yo. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them. To you for the last time. Slim got in on that one. We uh, get letters every week. Mm. Um, letters at papercake.com. Shoot us uh, an electronic mail. Please. Um, this will be the last time Mark ever reads them. This one's coming from somebody who actually didn't give us their name, but it's starting out with Where's the Love? I just finished the latest issue of X Factor. It was a half decent issue, but my concern comes from the fact that you guys still haven't covered the book for book club it's accessible brilliantly written soaked in pop culture and for jonesy an interesting take on the street level style of storytelling so i ask again where's the love also you must all watch that movie chronicles listeners lightning round uncanny x-force 1 through 10 amazingly witty and packed with great action i'm occasionally bored with the more serious slash story driven aspects but i definitely understand the praise it's been getting End the letter. That was uh, actually from Catcher. I must have lopped off his name. Uh, my fault. From Sorry, Catcher. Catcher had a good point, though. X Factor, in my opinion, consistently best X book on the market. I just borrowed my buddy's entire trades. I've been reading through. It's good. It's real okay. good. Well, we need to. Uh, I mean, give us a, a volume or something. We'll just go with X Factor Volume One from ninety. Know. You know, should we? Peter yeah, David. We'll just add that to the pile of things. catcher tweet us with what we should be reading from catchers catchers like a, a wi- one of the maesters of our group though he is wise he's a wise man he's he wouldn't steer us in the wrong direction peter david's collection is good he's absolutely right about that what has peter david uh, written in the past 15 years besides x-factor incredible hulk he had the longest run on incredible hulk ever is that supposed to impress me i'm just throwing it out there you might want to act like you know name five <laughs> peter david mm-hmm Supergirl, Young Justice, X-Factor, Incredible Hulk. Thanks for your time, Mark. All right. Moving on. Can't beat the five, Mark. Why do you try? (laughs) It's science at this point. Next one's coming from J.M. Stump. Uh Uh-oh. This is the one directed at me, right? Why do I know that guy? He hosts a little show called Paper Keg West. You know, if you need another slice of life. 
um, the West Coast Bros, you know, sister podcast. Check it out on the iTunes. I just want to start since I'm being fired from Paper Keg Prime. I would like to join Paper Keg West. There you go. If you know, right, if Paper Keg West would like a guest host via Skype, Mark is available. Starts off by saying, so I assume this is the episode where Slim puts on his leather jacket while Dale fires up the speedboat for him to jump over Farrington dressed as a shark while he reads Death of Superman. I kid, I kid, says J.M. Stump. I actually have the same trade that Slim mentioned in his post. I've read it a bunch of times. I argue to this day that it was a fun story to read and it was some of Dan Jurgen's best work, not to mention all sorts of other super talent. He's got a point about that. My favorite is the countdown with panels to the last issue being all single-page splashes. I think it starts around issue six. I'm also I'm always surprised that not too many people notice that. Hell, I had to have it pointed out to me for the first time. Oh, and there's mention of Jonesy in my analogy because we're mortal enemies. In fact, don't read this part. He'll just be happy that I mentioned him in my email and will further <laughs> use it as ammo against me some way, somehow. Hugs and kisses, J.M. Stump. I finally realized what the Superman badges were after all this time. I don't know. I knew it was some kind of reading order, but I didn't realize it was the, the week number of the year. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh-huh. Triangle number 40, yeah. 45. I mean, I, I, it's a smart idea. I guess when you have it four is. Superman titles a month. And when you're, the cost of your books is ninety five a book, you can afford to do that. Can you back then? I had an allowance, a lot. 25 bucks allowance. a month. Remember when Spawn came out dollar ninety five? Whoa, big spending. I think it says a lot oh, about the nice. person if they had an allowance. Who else had an allowance in this room? Uh, I had an allowance, but I had to like mow the lawn and clean yeah. the gutters and chop the wood. I went through spurts of getting allowance. This never wasn't given never to got an allowance in my life. I had to shine shoes, oh. my life. shovel, yeah. mow lawns. Richie Riches over here getting their allowances. We had All to right. work for it. Get it was here. child labor. Yeah, but. right. <laughs> Cheating labor, too. Um, no benefits. I, you know how many nine-year-olds can shine a shoe like I could? I just want to thank Mark right now. It's been show. a good run. Hugs uh, and kisses, guys. He's got a lot more important things to do, so he will be going on to greener pastures. He made that as as obvious. You know, he doesn't want to commit to planning. He pulls us. us aside, yeah. And he says, you know, I don't care about this podcast anymore. I wish we had a montage to play. <laughs> That en- that a has clip like clips of like you falling asleep in my car on the way to New Jersey, or unplugging his mic, or not paying attention during the show, or getting things wrong about the DC universe. Right. All of this stemmed from the simple fact that I went back to school and might not important. I had fun. Well, yeah, I too. I appreciate your honesty. I had fun with you, Mark. Yeah, thanks. They were all they great times. We're never going to talk again, the three of us, are we? Probably. The four of us. Can't wait. Just imagine right now that uh, Green Day's Time of Your Life is playing in the background. We all slowly walk away from each other. <laughs> the last last show of reality show. Oh, what a show. It's been fun. I'll be back for 50. Who will be the new host? Female? Male? I don't know if I can trust anybody else. <laughs> can you trust Mark? I don't know, but the enemy of your enemy. <laughs> yeah, the, the devil you know versus the devil you don't. He's, he's, a, little, he's a little squirrely, Mark Farrington. Squirrely. I'm a squirrely one. <laughs> I believe you are calling Jonesy a snake off air. <laughs> that is true. I believe the exact quote is, I've known him for 15 years. The guy is a snake. That's true. That's... I wish we were making it up. Tune now in it, to find out who my replacement as will As he be. eats my food in my kitchen. 
uh, we'll see most of you next week. It's been a pleasure. Last word for the last time. Tennessee. That's not the words. Thank you. We what a show, Mark slash show. Yeah. So here's what's going through my mind right now. Yeah. Tell us. The whole this whole room is so meta. It's so something's happening, and I just feel like I'm on the outside. You know what I mean? What's so meta that you don't even think you're included in it? I think Mark thinks he's getting fired. We think Mark (laughs) is quitting, but he's but. He doesn't want to actually say the words that he's quitting, but now that we're making an issue of him not he's being like on the show, he's like, he's like, maybe I should just take this as the opportunity to just stop. not do not go. Mark, we, we really like, don't want you to stop doing the show. We love you. Slim fire me on camera or on air. Oh, what remember? camera? You quit. Sorry. You know, our, sometimes job. our it's sarcasm the, gets out of control. It's the other job. Please don't leave. Um, we would love to have Mark on the show, but if he doesn't have the commitment, Capabilities. I can't commit to a recording we schedule. We will though. need to move on True. for a few weeks. I don't want to say I'll be back. You don't want to say you want me to stay. Why don't we just not say anything and I'll <laughs> and be back then, next week? And then ever speak to each other again? I'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs> We're not recording next week. Sorry. I'll be when, back in two weeks. When are we recording? 20th. There you what go. You, can't, is, you don't know it's a Monday. And it's you don't Monday. think you have to check with your study group. To see I just got to see if the study group is going to meet on Monday. Do Can they want to be on the show? Do they want to do a podcast? They don't know. <laughs> <laughs> About Slim HR. Mind. That'd Slim be the most boring podcast I'll, ever. I will have a backup ready. Proceed accordingly as if Jonesy is busy on a Sunday and phone in <laughs> That's right. re- multiple replacement hosts just in case. <laughs> exactly. Call up the ranks. I showed up. <laughs> But did, you, I drove reali- in but the did snow. you realize that I made like nine calls? No, that I didn't Sunday? know that. <laughs> we were in. Uh, really? Was it that bad? Uh, it was the Friday before. I mean, we needed to get a, another host in there. When we get an email, uh, I, I came when through. We, when we get an email from Jonesy three days before and it sounds sketchy, oh, his, yeah. his availability, then I immediately go into text mode for. <laughs> Uh, multiple replacements. You know, I came through, and that's I all mean, because that these hosts, they need time to read two weeks' worth of book club books. They need mm-hmm. time to read comics. It's they, a stringent thing we put them through. Do you just it mass is. text whenever one of us isn't going to be around? Dale and I, we we get into the brain trust. We Dale really and I, we, we, we brainstorm about multiple scenarios yeah. that might need to happen for the show to go on. Wow. Uh, that's what we have. I mean, it's what we have. We're like, you know... We've got to make sure, to make sure the trains run on time. That's right. <laughs> you, got, you guys are the real. You're the real deal. <laughs> and, uh, Slim, I meant to uh, talk to you earlier off mm-hmm. mic, but uh, sure. I might as well say it on mic since we're fireside chatting here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have really enjoyed uh, the Comicsologist where you do this thing with the Melcast guys. Uh huh. Where like you uh, mic the music down, and you kind of go raw for a couple minutes, just talking about off mm-hmm. topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I am a big fan of that as well, and definitely it brings. Especially if you're not interested in the interview, that like real talk, if you will, moments after the, it's yeah, really good. Uh, I don't know if I want to pull the curtain back too much on how that stuff is added. 
You're like Linda you Ellerby over here. I don't, I don't even know that. Remember? Is. Remember Linda Ellerby? Anyone? I remember <laughs> Linda Ellerby. <laughs> I do remember. Anyone help me out, please? I remember. <laughs> saving, saving, saving. The, um, uh, well, I've, I've gotten lucky the past few episodes because the past couple they've had actual landlines, like uh-huh. phones. So those oh, nice. uh, sound, you know, pretty okay on the recording. I really enjoyed because they're such a big inspiration how you mentioned us. Paper cake. Yeah. Not by name, though. Yeah, no. Well, <laughs> that other podcast I did. Yeah. The that makes us easily replaceable. God forbid <laughs> something yeah. happens. Can we talk about nerdcast? Insert podcast here, Madlib. Well, when you the, do the interviews, I like call them, and then I you know talk to them beforehand, and then afterward, because you have to like think how the awkwardness of doing a phone interview, and then the beginning and yeah. after. So the one time I talked to Sam Humphreys, we talked about Meltcast before, and it was funny because I I added that at the end of the show. Did I? Did I after? Yeah, yeah, because he was like stunned that anyone listened to the show, and it was pretty funny talking about that with him. Yeah, you're pretty much jade all over his. Uh, <laughs> well, it was yeah, a great thing. It was there a would, gr- it there, was a great podcast. There would be no paper cake without that podcast, and I and I thought it was funny that um, I had Mark Sable on after that too, and I bullshit with him afterward. You know about basketball and stuff, which was funny. Did you enjoy his? Because com- he really went in deep on Graveyard of Empires. I did, and I'm actually uh, I'm probably gonna pick it up after just hearing. Yeah, I, I it. yeah I read them all. I got the first issue, and I didn't pick up after that. But then I got back into it and read them all in one sitting. And I was actually bummed that the final issue wasn't out yet. And say what you want about podcasts that do interviews. Uh, that's not really my thing, yeah. but there is something exciting about hearing a creator talking about their own work like a like an independent young creator mm-hmm. and their passion for their own project that just gets me um, on board when they like that's how I, that's why I read Sacrifice cuz I listen to Sam Humphreys mm-hmm. I'm going to get Graveyard of Empires that's um and he did an interview before that that I jumped to get the guy's book too but um the one that's coming out well, by the time this posts the one that will be out is the writer of Fantastic 4 season 1 uh, maybe, maybe uh, Latin, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. He he wrote Marvel Knights Four. Oh yeah, and yeah. he came on to turn off the dark to rewrite the the script. Oh okay, the uh, Broadway show. Yeah, that was actually a really good interview. Jake was in on that one. He got back in the show. Did they write the cast injuries of Turn Off the Dark into the script, or were those all improv? Oh my god. Thanks for coming by, everybody, <laughs> for the... Uh, Mark actually <laughs> left the room and came back in. <laughs> I, you know, we were having a great chat. We were pulling the curtain back, and I, you just had to go over the line. I actually had a serious question for Jonesy. Yeah? Yeah, what's yeah. up? Looks like we'll never have the time for it. No, really. Ever <laughs> oh, again. Boy. You know what? I'll just start, and you can play me out. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we like it What's your uh, question for Jonesy? See, I... I kind of hate when creators just tout their own books because, of course, they're going to tell me it's the best thing ever why I should read it. It's their job. But have you ever read an interview by a creator after the book has come out where they're talking about their work? Those are interesting because they talk about what worked, what they didn't work, what they were trying to do, what they intended to do. Yeah, and actually, I like I like that kind of technical stuff, just like I like uh, alternate costumes and stuff that go through the artist's mind. I do love when a writer goes in and says, like, Things like I can't believe that worked. Like I didn't expect that to work. That's so far off from where I started from, and it's just it's cool to see what could have been. Even though you're happy with the finished product, it's always nice 
Because, like I said before, like I'm a big like uh, mythos story structure kind of guy. I really get into that technical aspect of writing, and to hear a writer say in his own words, like this is the path I was gonna go down, and then I I threw this in because it it was spur of the moment and ended up really clicking. Like I like that kind of stuff, and I will read writers' articles about that just to to hear that stuff. Yeah, um, I love it because you pick up little details you never would have caught. Like for example, yeah, I just read one of Mark Wade's interviews, and he's talking about his work Shocker. on Daredevil so far. Oh, can I say I'm a fan? And yeah. he pointed out how the artist, him and the artist, opened the book with Daredevil's back to the camera, and he did that just to illustrate that he's not seeing anything, but he's seeing everything. Right. And I never would have thought about that or even caught that if somebody hadn't pointed it out to me. Yeah, that, I mean, when you read, uh, and this, I think this brings true for creator-owned books the most, like, you get something out of it that most times the writer was not trying for you to get out of it. Does that make sense? Like, you write a story yeah. and he's got this, like, point in his head that he wants to broadcast and I, I can only imagine a, a published writer, because I am not, is always flabber, <laughs> flabbergasted when like someone's like, hey, I got this out of your work. And you're like, "Why? how? It like, is humbling I mean? when people tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We should end on that high note right there. Mark's, Sorry. Mark's Sorry. last official burn. The only possible down, it's not a downside, but like if we were to read an interview now about all the people who were behind the death of superman like it'd make me more sympathetic and feel bad for panning it on the uh review portion mm -hmm. of our show so it's like i mean that's good and you know what we do it all in comedy and jest so, so that's probably a good thing to kind of like humanize these people a little bit everybody's we're all human you know what i mean and you know greedy maniacs who want to kill <laughs> superman with a bony gray hulk <laughs> by the way max like we had this cooked up for two weeks i mean max landis just re released this video so max landis must yeah. have got wind from paper he must have gotten wind. i have it on good fake authority that uh <laughs> that he read the website that went out and made that movie. now it just looks like we're just like oh let's capitalize on max landis mm -hmm. i don't think anyone's ever said that before too we're capitalizing on max landis that must make exactly him feel that's excellent. Excellent. right well, I mean, uh, you know, the video was good. I'll give him props. It was very yeah, it was, entertaining. Yeah, it was actually really good. Um, we'll see everybody next week. Love maybe you. with Mark, maybe without. I'll be there. We'll see. It's going to be in our hearts. And according to the study group. <laughs>